It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 366 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Whales. It is July 1st, 2022, and this is Jen. I've got a lot of stuff to talk about in this one. You can probably guess where the main topic's going if you've been paying attention to Blizzard news at all, but there's other things to know about as well. I'm going to start off with a tweet from Muffin. Muffin is a senior software engineer at Blizzard Entertainment, and Muffin posted a lovely photo of a large group of people holding up a Blizzard Entertainment banner, and some of them have uh, rainbow-colored umbrellas above them. They're wearing the shirts that say Blizzard that have multicolored letters on them, and that's uh, from the OC Pride Parade. So I thought that was really cool. I didn't get a chance to go out to Pride because my uh, where I live actually did it in May for some reason, and I didn't know. But Pride Fests are cool if you're you know part of the community. If you're not part of the community, you can still go. Um, and they're a lot of fun. So I, it just looks like a bunch of happy people all together. And in today's world, or at least today in the United States, you know, we're having a lot of states that are being really mean to people that are LGBTQ. So if you can go to Pride and, like, you know, just have a good time, I think that sort of pushes back on that in some degree. But it's a really neat photo. And all of almost all of them, if not all of them, are wearing the, the Pride shirts from Blizzard, which makes sense. They probably all work there. So I thought that was really, really cool. Ubisoft posted uh, an update. They wrote it originally on June 15, but there's an update on June 30. I don't remember if I put the first thing in or not, but the update says this. Following the Supreme Court ruling, we want to reiterate our unwavering support to our U.S. team members and our belief in reproductive rights as human rights. At Ubisoft, the health, safety, and well-being of our teams will always be our number one priority, and we remain committed to providing equitable access to health care for all employees and their families, regardless of where they live in the U.S. Our benefit offerings have expanded to include a travel expense reimbursement program for any U.S. employee to use when they are unable to gain access to the health care they need where they live. If permitted by state law, this program will be implemented on September 1st with claims reimbursement retroactive to today, which was uh, June 30th that this was posted. I like to hear companies that actually care about their workers to that degree. I mean, all of this is health care, so it's good that they're going for that. The A Better ABK account wrote this on June 24th. Last month, we issued a statement declaring our strongly held belief that all people deserve the right to make decisions about their own body. Today, with the news of SCOTUS repealing Roe v. Wade, we would like to reiterate this statement. And there's a thread here, and I'll read at least part of it. Access to reproductive and gender-affirming health care is life-saving and necessary. Moreover, stripping people of their bodily autonomy to make these necessary decisions is a human rights violation. Now, that's not just their opinion. The World Health Organization thinks it is as well. Uh, to continue, reproductive health care rights and gender-affirming care are heavily tied to labor rights. The challenges that women, non-binary people, transgender people, and other marginalized groups face in the workplace are a direct result of these larger issues. We cannot abide the ongoing exploitation of marginalized people, nor the destructions of their right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. There's another uh, thing from ABK uh, posted on June 30. They started with this uh, part of the thread. Due to the pervasive and ongoing issues regarding sexual harassment and gender discrimination, our organizers have formed a committee to address these issues. We, as workers who are closest to these issues, banded together to create these demands to lead by example and foster a positive workplace culture. The following is a mission statement and list of demands to end gender inequity at Activision Blizzard. And they've got a little thing here about that. So here's what it says. It's titled ABK Watch Activision Blizzard King, and it's titled Sex and Gender Discrimination at Activision. Now, we know that Activision Blizzard 
has for a very, very long time had problems with, you know, discrimination and harassment. And this isn't news, but we now have a uh, group that's actually going to work on this a little more or try. So I'll read you a little bit of this. After a two-year investigation, the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, DFEH, filed a lawsuit against Activision in July 2021, alleging that the company, quote, fostered a pervasive frat boy workplace culture, end quote, that is, quote, a breeding ground for harassment and discrimination against women, end quote. In September 2021, the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, EEOC, also filed a lawsuit against Activision for, quote, subjecting female employees to sex-based discrimination, including harassment based on their gender, retaliating against female employees for complaining about sex-based discrimination based on their gender, and paying female employees less than male employees based on their gender. The EEOC reached a settlement with Activision, but the DFEH lawsuit is ongoing, and the DFEH and a former Activision employee have appealed the EEOC settlement. So here's what they want. These are their demands. Um, there's kind of a lot in here. I'll just read you, you know, what's here. So they're calling for an end to gender inequity at Activision Blizzard. Uh, they have a EOO coordinator of policies. Uh, why this matters, Activision Blizzard leadership has been making all of the decisions regarding employee labor matters. Employees need a say in what policies are for their best interests. Policies and draft policies must be shared with the committee to ensure matters are handled appropriately and effectively, allowing feedback before implementation. So here's part of what they want as far as that. Management gives this committee all current policies and codes of conduct for this worker committee to analyze and assess. Anti-discrimination worker committee works with the EEO coordinator slash review EEO coordinator suggestions and offers revisions before the coordinator submits to management. The committee and EEO coordinator meet every other week to discuss, require signature or sign off from the worker committee that they saw and signed off on the final recommendations for each policy and policy suggestion and run through DE&I committees as well as as well before EEO coordinator sends change to management. So this is kind of making it in writing. Yes, we've seen this. Yes, we approve or no, we, we've seen this, but we do not approve. There's also something with HR meetings. Um, here's the bullet points from that. No quick human resources chats that are undocumented and individual because, of course, if you've been sexually harassed at work and your ER department sticks you in a room with one person and no recording of it or written information, um, it means they're blowing you off and they're not going to handle your claim. That's what it means. That's what HR is for. You have to remember, and I've said this before, HR is not there to pe protect the employees. They're there to protect the high that's what it's for. So they would like to not have HR blow them off. In addition, all employees have permission to include committee members, work, co-workers, or a witness in the meetings. There should be a written agenda of every invitation to meet with a human resource, or people do not have to accept the meeting. They want an end of all mandatory arbitration. I'm not sure if they've gotten that or if it's back or what, but they do want that. I'll read a little there. Employees opening discrimination cases, including sex harassment, will be able to take the company and their abuser to court. This should be written into policy and should be universal for all claims. Do not require the claimant to sign a non-disclosure and non-disparagement agreement in regards to anti-discrimination suits. However, claimants may explicitly request non-disclosure or non-disparagement clauses. Uh, they want protection from retaliation within 180 days after filing a claim or until resolution of the dispute. If an employee is demoted, moved from their team or their work changes in other ways parentheses work gets taken away from them for instance or they are disciplined end of parentheses that action is presumed to be retaliation independent investigations all claims of discrimination including including sex harassment are to be investigated by a committee of non-biased independent unaffiliated outside third-party investigators any investigation or investigator found to have been connected to the c-suite or impacted parties needs to be reinvestigated if the investigator has any connection to abk they must disclose this prior to the investigation targets of discrimination including sex harassment are to be provided with a summary of their complaint 
complaint. Charge findings and results once the complaint is completed and not before. Each interaction, all evidence and all le- and any lack of evidence within said investigations must be comprehensively documented. And then there's one for trans and non-binary employee protections and workplace improvements. And I'm just going to read you a little paragraph from that. There's a lot of things in here. Maybe I'll read you the bullet points, but a little bit about why this matters. While ABK management does provide comment on many social issues at the behest of its employees, it is typically very silent on those most concerning to our transgender and non-binary employees. Trans and non-binary representation in upper management and currently company-led diversity initiatives is severely lacking. With many states actively passing legislation which threatens the physical and mental health of our transgender co-workers, our company has a responsibility to uplift the voices of these marginalized groups and ensure both their safety and continued access to life-saving health care. Here's the bullet points. Support for pre-, during-, and post-transition physical and mental health needs, including ensuring that our company health insurance always covers affordable gender-affirming health care. Use an employee's provided preferred name. Legal names should only be used in terms of pay and only where necessary. Legal names should never be used externally without the employee's consent. Updating of names in all tools to delete and deactivate dead names. Managers should receive training for pronouns and preferred names and avoid dead naming as it is discriminatory. A trans woman should be appointed to the ABK Women's Network leadership and included in Women's Network meetings. That seems obvious. I don't know why they're not doing that. Include trans women in Women's History Month, including social media posts and highlights, March 31st through the uh, March 1st through 31st, Women's History Month. Create a trans and non-binary network to foster support in a safe environment with me- with mentorship and solidarity among trans and non-binary employees. Use successful networks such as the Women's Network and veterans networks as an example provide an advisory committee of members of the trans and non-binary community this committee will provide support for hr recruiting and employees at large to ensure that questions and support regarding the transgender experience are answered quickly thoroughly and authentically End generic medical disclosure forms for all leave requests. Disclosure should be limited to confirming the specific reason for the leave and nothing further. They also want parental leave in here. So parents are given 12 weeks as paid time off to bond with their new baby. The person cannot lose their position during this time. They will receive 100% of their normal compensation. This compensation cannot impact non-compensatory benefits. Then there's lactation protections. You may remember they did have rooms where people who were lactating could pump milk for their babies for when they get off of work and people were stealing it and the rooms themselves were not appropriate for what they needed. So they're trying to fix that with all of the things that you we've probably mentioned already. And then there's a thing called frontline agent toxic toxicity protection. And I have no idea what this is. So I'm going to read through it. Why this matters when scandals happen, customer service and community managers often take the brunt of the backlash. After the Blitzchung incident, receptionist received death threats. Okay, Blitzchung. Let's go back to that. I think it was during... I don't remember if it was Hearthstone or what it was, but Blitzchung won and he was speaking to two streamers on on their stream. And at one point, the two streamers ducked under their table and Blitzchung uh, said something positive about, I think it was Hong Kong, maybe something like that. This was like a huge freaking thing. And Blizzard immediately overreacted and said, okay, you're not the winner and you don't get the money and all this other stuff. And then they got a lot of pushback and, you know, went back about it. But apparently while that was happening, um, you know, customer service managers got yelled at for reasons they can't control. So to continue, uh, leadership has done nothing to protect our frontline workers. Often these roles are expected to deal with constant harassment and abuse from players. They are also ultimately ignored when they speak about the mental toll of the abuse from customers and the community takes on them. Uh, improving the relationship that our player community has with both employees and each other is a critical step in making our player community healthier and helping our workers avoid mental health issues and burnout related to player harassment. So here's what they want. Customers caught harassment 
harassing customer support, community managers or other employees will receive suspensions or bans for the behavior in cases where their account information can be verified. Workers must have access to an internal reporting method to create an incident report and flag reported users for additional investigation. Depending on the severity and frequency of the harassment or discrimination, accounts found to be directing toxicity at frontline agents should be suspended, banned, and or reported to the appropriate authorities. Like, if you're getting death threats, yeah, maybe go tell the appropriate authorities about that kind of thing. So there's that. Then there's an article here from Game Developer written by Bryant Francis, and it's titled, Activision Blizzard Workers Share Demands to End Gender Inequity at the Company. I just kind of read a lot of that to you, but the interesting thing here is that Activision Blizzard, a spokesperson who is not named, sent Game Developer the following quote. They wrote this, quote, Our employees made these requests two months ago, and at that time, the company had already adapted, adopted most of the policy changes they sought. We have, for example, waived arbitration of individual sexual harassment and discrimination claims last October. Okay, that's one thing. Hired new DEI and EOO leaders. We don't know if that's employee-led, though, so that's a problem. Um, and collaborated with employees to make our policies and processes more trans-inclusive, just to name a few issues they have raised. How? How did you do that? What specifically did you do? You're just making a blanket statement here. If there's another paragraph, retaliation is prohibited and any employee found to have retaliated against anyone for making a complaint would be terminated immediately. That's not true either. <laughs> That's actually not true either. Uh, we've got plenty of instances where somebody was going to get bounced out because they did some horrendous things to someone and it was found to be true. And then, uh, you know, in some cases, Bobby Kotek said, no, 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 keep that guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> just yeah um the statement from the spokesperson who decided to be anonymous says also we have combined its investigations groups into one central ethics team separate from human resources and hired more ethics team members as we said two months ago as we continue to appreciate that these employees that these employees want to join with us to build a better future a better activision blizzard and continue the process we progress we have already made this is a lot of nothing this is a lot of gibberish it honestly is, you know, so I wouldn't believe a word of it, but you can think whatever you want. Hollywood Reporter has an article titled Major Workers Union Backs Microsoft's Activision Blizzard Deal in an FTC Letter. So I'll read a little of that. The Communication Workers of America, which successfully unionized a subset of workers at the video game holding company in May, said Thursday that a labor neutrality agreement reached with Microsoft, quote, will give employees a seat at the table. So that's a good thing. There's not a whole lot in this article that you probably don't already know, but the CWA and Microsoft announced the labor neutrality agreement, which will go into effect 60 days after the tech company's proposed Activision Blizzard deal closes, if the deal closes in June. According to the CWA, the contract entails Microsoft remaining neutral, when it, neutral is in quotes, when employees that fall under the terms of the agreement voice their interest in forming a union. Moreover, the agreement pledges employees will be able to, quote, easily exercise their right to communicate with other employees and union representatives about union membership, end quote, without impeding day-to-day -day business. We'll have a, quote, streamlined, end quote, process for deciding on joining a union and can keep their decisions about a union confidential, parentheses, labor neutrality agreements often entail an employer and a union agreeing to card check, a card check system to recognize a union and avoid a National Labor Relations Board election which I hear are tougher than just few, you know, they're tougher than the other version, I guess. Finally, the union and the company agree to, quote, work together promptly to reach an agreement if a conflict arises and seek a fast arbitration process if differences cannot be resolved. So that's kind of where that's going. So that seems to be going in the right direction. And uh, then I'm going to kind of skip over to Blizzard here, but not about Diablo stuff just yet. I will get there, I promise. So GamesBeat has this article titled, Blizzard Plans to Acquire Spellbreak Studio Proletariat to Bolster World of Warcraft. And there's a picture here of uh, a Spellbreak game that they've made uh, with some guy in armor seems to have both fire and lightning skills going on at the same time. I, I don't know anything about the game. Here's what was written. Blizzard Entertainment said it plans to acquire Spellbreak Maker Proletariat to beef up the staff on its massively multiplayer online role-playing game World of Warcraft. 
Um, and then later, there was an update here that says that they're intending to acquire Proletariat. Under the deal, Boston-based Proletariat will become part of Blizzard, and its team of 100 people will begin working on World of Warcraft, including the Dragonflight expansion coming later this year. Spellbreak, a battle royale game where wizards and witches cast spells at each other, will be sunset. The company announced that news, this news uh, yesterday. This was written on... What day were you written on? I'm not sure. Okay, I don't know. In any case, uh, this move is the biggest acquisition that Blizzard has made, at least for the past decade, to expand its studios. In this case, the mission is to beef up the staffing for World of Warcraft so that it can hit quality and timing goals for expansions. Terms of this contract were not disclosed. Um, we know who Activision Blizzard is. Uh, Activision Blizzard, the parent company of Blizzard, also folded Vicarious Visions, a longtime Activision studio, into Blizzard to work on the Diablo franchise in January of 2021. But Blizzard hasn't been particularly acquisitive, as one of the few we can remember was the acquisition of Swinging Ape in 2005. Rather, Blizzard got itself tossed around quite a bit in its early days before landing with Activision Blizzard back in 2008. Proletariat has been working with Blizzard since May. There's probably a little bit more in here about who's in here and quotes and how it all came together. I'll leave you to read that if you'd like to. Everything I talk about will be in the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com. And we do have an official thing from Blizzard here. Expanding the development pipeline of World of Warcraft, written by John Haidt, General Manager of Warcraft. And it's just a short little thing. There are 75 comments at the time I looked at this. There's also a press release announcement. So this is what was written. Hello, World of Warcraft community. We know that you are hungry for new content, and I'm really proud of how our development teams are working to meet or exceed those expectations. There's more happening in WoW than ever, and this is just the beginning. To help support our increased content needs, since May, we've been working with a great development partner, Proletariat. Proletariat was founded in 2012 by industry veterans from Turbine, Harmonix, Zynga, and Insomniac. Their strong leadership team has a long history of working together, deep MMO experience, working on Asheron's Call, Lord of the Rings Online, and D&D Online, and a strong presence in Boston where they're based. Our work with the Proletariat team has been going well. Today we are excited to announce that Blizzard has closed the acquisition of Proletariat, something we've been working on for a while. Together our teams will expand our development pipeline for WoW. Our plan is to continue growing both our Irvine and Boston-based teams with shared creative leadership providing feedback to ensure we continue to meet or exceed players and our quality and delivery expectation. The addition or expectations, plural, sorry. Uh, the addition of Proletariat brings 100 talented Blizzard employees to this newest Blizzard Entertainment studio. Proletariat's transition to becoming part of Blizzard will take several months and we look forward to all the ways our continued strength will help us meet our goals, help our teams and better serve you. Please join us in welcoming Proletariat to Blizzard. They are very much looking forward to working alongside the community to continue to build future in the future in the world of Warcraft. Okay, so what's proletariat mean? I mean, I've heard it before. It sounds, I don't know, Roman maybe, right? So I looked it up on Wikipedia, and it just says proletariat, but it's not talking about the gaming company. So here's a little definition. The proletariat, uh, which is from Latin is the social class of wage earners, those members of a society whose only possession of significant economic value is their labor power, their capacity to work. A member of such a class is a proletarian, and it goes into Marxist philosophy, uh, considers the proletariat to be exploited under capitalism, forced to accept meager wages in return for operating the means of production, which belong to the class of business owners, the bourgeoisie. goes on for Marx a little bit there. Uh, in Roman times, the proletariat Terry constituted a social class of Roman citizens who owned little to no property. The name presumably originated with the census with which Roman authorities conducted every five years to produce a register of citizens and their property, which determined their military duties and voting privileges. It goes on from there. So you've got a group named after um, a social class of wage earners <laughs> where their labor power is their capacity to work under a company that's been exploiting its workers for a very long time, Activision Blizzard King. So, 
okay, did you not look it up before you, you know, they'll probably change its name or something like that. But in addition, Proletariat Inc. put out this particular thing on uh, June 28th. They wrote this, we unequivocally stand in support of the fundamental right for all people to have bodily autonomy. Forced birth is a human rights violation and we condemn the decision of the U.S. Supreme Court to limit access to essential health care for millions of Americans. So that's Proletariat. They seem like good people you know they seem to be on the right side of things but man i hope they don't get squished by activision blizzard really 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 um moving on a little bit Riker did this really wonderful lore video titled the tragic story of diablo one and he it's really good and he he kind of dug in all the characters that were significant in tristram and what happened to them and how he got from one thing to another it's it's well worth checking out and he did a great job so um that's definitely a lore thing to take a look at if you're interested in the lore of the game it was it was really well done honestly i'm pretty impressed with it echo hack has a video on necromancer skills for d4 diablo 4 and uh, he's got a lot of details about what these skills might be with you know also letting you know that some of this is not official yet that kind of thing so he's doing his take on it but the coolest thing that i saw in here just for me personally because i'm kind of a lore nut he did a like a little story from the viewpoint of someone who becomes a necromancer and i just loved it it was really detailed and it was cool it was he got into the character and all that so that's kind of neat but you can find out more about what might be part of the necromancer skills in d4 from that matt rossi who is with um, Blizzard Watch. Uh, he has a screenshot of his barbarian and uh, does a transmog every time. It's a female barbarian with like this giant flaming sword. And uh, he enjoys doing that particular transmog that he's got there. So he'll do it every game that he can. And uh, he's just having a good time with that. The Diablo account posted a tweet that said celebrating 22 years by the campfire talking about Diablo 2 of course Diablo 2 released on June 29 2000 so it's got like the whole like you know original looking you know group of character choices in the front there so that's kind of interesting on June 27th um, Diablo 2 resurrected patch 2.4.3 went live on the Blizzard uh, there's a thing on Blizzard's you know official website about it uh, it goes live June 29 they introduce a variety of new features and improvements to elevate multiplayer lobbies for console and PC accompanying these new features are quality of life improvements and bug fixes partying up with like-minded demon slayers is a cornerstone of the Diablo experience because of this we've been closely monitoring your feedback around multiplayer lobbies and the changes highlighted below are a direct result of this sanctuary wasn't built in a day <laughs> that's kind of funny under the section called console lobby updates there's three options for you and so it's like a party finder for it so there's one you could do um private enter a game that will not populate to the game list the only way for others to join your game is through the friends list or by being invited so that's one option the private option the game creator option you can create a public game that will populate on the games list and then there's the games list view the games list use the search feature or join a public game so you can do that now if you do the game creator one the game creator will equip you with the ability to quickly create the type of game you desire to aid you in doing so all previous game categories that were available in party finder have returned to the game creator selecting and confirming one of these game categories will generate a pre-made name for your game accompanied by an assigned number this is to prevent games with duplicate names from being created now that makes a lot of sense you know if you have like I don't know if you're going for magic find or something you could be typing in magic find and if everybody else does that nobody knows which one's your game to get into you know <laughs> i mean it would be confusing so they generate a name on its own so that nobody's going to be confused and that's a good idea i think um there's also a custom category uh where you can do a public game or a password protected game which is interesting so a uh, public game you know anybody can come in Password protected game, create a public game with a password that must be entered to join. Just like in the PC lobby, a password protected game will not appear in the games list, but can be joined to a separate join game button uh, through a separate join game button found by pressing the search game name button on the game list menu and going to the custom category. And then there's a screenshot of the game list and you know what that looks like and how to do it and 
know what the names mean. There's PC lobby updates, and it's now going to display each game's connection quality in a tooltip that pops up when you hover your mouse over a specific game. Games will populate into the game list based on their connection quality, offering you expanded knowledge when deciding which game to join. That's pretty cool. There's also a Magic Find bonus going on. It started on June 30, so yesterday, and it's going through July 4. So if you're interested in playing some Diablo 2 this weekend, if you have time, if you're not, you know, going to watch the fireworks somewhere or whatever, or have a barbecue with your family, then you could totally do this. I might jump in to do it on Xbox, maybe. Um, I think I have time today for that, so I'll try. But yeah, it's a 50% buff to Magic Find during that time, so you can get that going. There's also some other quality of life improvements and things like that. And they fixed some bugs, which is always good to have them fix some bugs. They did tweet about the Magic Find weekend, so I figure a lot of people are going to be doing that. There's a video from, it looks like nomen.edu, and it's called Diablo 2 Resurrected Behind the Scenes. It's featuring Rob Gallarani, who's explored the development of Diablo 2 Resurrected, and it's pretty long. It's like an hour and 40 minutes long. To me, that's long. To some people, it might not be. And it just talks about all the different things they did. So if you want some like background on Diablo 2 Resurrected, this is a good thing to check out. And you'll see like people who worked on it to tell you stuff about what they were thinking. And now I'm going to move into Diablo Immortal. Uh, don't don't close the show yet. It might be interesting, really. Um, <laughs> I know people are really mad at this game, right? So Games Radar has an article titled Diablo Immortal player uses $50,000 worth of WoW gold to absolutely flatten, quote, cash whales, end quote. Um, I have heard a few people mention this, but this is an article where I can, you know, give you some more information. A judicious Diablo Immortal player is taking stashed away World of Warcraft currency, converting it into general blizzard points, and using it to turn his necromancer into an unstoppable force who puts down pay-to-win cash whales. Meet, uh, I think it's Naekabon, N-A-E-C-A-B-O-N, who, uh, if you happen to engage in PvP, probably deleted you in a matter of seconds. Deleted you? Whatever. At the time, you might have assumed the only way someone could become so powerful was to use a great deal of real-world money to max out their gems. But in this case, Naekabon, or Naekabon, probably Naekabon, actually used about $50,000 worth of converted World of Warcraft gold to become a, quote, proverbial powerhouse, end quote. Here's a quote from Nekaban. Uh, Yesterday on June 22nd, 2022, I finished my project of using just over 600 million gold in World of Warcraft on purchasing WoW tokens for Blizzard Balance to use in Diablo Immortal for upgrading my gems. Uh, uh, Nekaban, who... Uh, Necrobon, maybe, something like that, uh, who goes uh, by a different name on Reddit, I'm not going to read out, you can read it in the article, explained on Friday. Ultimately, he was able to unlock four out of five of their legendary gems, Renaissance bonuses, but stopped before unlocking the fifth and final one due to the inordinate cost, so even that amount wasn't enough to finish the final one. They've been using their newfound and near-unmatched power to stand up to folks, especially Diablo Immortal streamers, spending large sums of real-world cash to juice their character up to levels far far beyond what any free-to-play players could have achieved since launch. Uh, here's a quote. I thought it would be really funny to try and build a whale character in the game using WoW Gold as the primary funding force. Necrobon said, there's a sense of hilarity to me in dunking on a cash whale as a gold whale, which is funny. Here's how he did it. Uh, uh, Necrobon's co- project began as soon as they learned Diablo Immortal would be coming to PC, which meant that their WoW token balance could be used at the Immortal shop. Fortunately, years ago, they had purchased a load of World of Warcraft loot codes at various BlizzCons for around $1,000 to $2,000 in total, and the cards had been collecting dust in the years since. Fortunately, while they held little real-world monetary value due to predatory scammers, they had apparently skyrocketed in in-game value by up to 800%. With that in mind, Nick, uh, Necrobon, I'm just going to say Necrobon, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, uh, swapped the codes in various virtual marketplaces, all legal and within WoW's terms of service. They add for a metric ton of in-game World of Warcraft gold, uh, which was then used to purchase World of Warcraft tokens, which were then converted into Diablo Immortal currency and spent on 2,165 Elder Rift runs. 
The result, here's a quote, uh, as a necro-whale, I feel literally unstoppable at the moment. I have not fought another player one-on-one -on -one that has even come close to beating me in my current gear slash loadout, and I flatten them in seconds, whale or not. I'm genuinely looking forward to my first encounter that puts me in check. I'm like that dude in 300 hunting for my glorious death. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there's a little bit more in here, but that's what they're doing. You know, that's what they're doing. It's one way to fight the whales who think that, you know, I'll just pay to win and I'll one shot everybody else that isn't paying, you know, paying money to win. And here he comes, you know, it's great. The Diablo Immortal account has, it's a poll. So it's titled Mobile Problems, comma, pick your boss. Here are your options. Phone call, low battery, lost connection, can't tweet and game. Everybody underneath has the following kinds of things. I'm not going to read their names, but one of them posted a picture of a whale and a credit card, like little little emojis. Uh, someone said, the monetization, that's the boss. Uh, I ran out of money to spend in the game. Enough money. Option E, credit card limit. Blizzard monetization system. The lack of communication from devs to players addressing major concerns. Too poor to compete against 5k plus residents at Legend Backgrounds and the in the Immortal Vault. Um, a toss-up between radio silence from developers and pay to win. Someone says, I have no income to funnel into the game. Uh, someone says, I'm guessing you're regretting this tweet right about now. And someone thinks they may have muted the, the, the responses. Patiently waiting for Diablo 4. The pay to win system of your game. My wallet beat me up after it saw your micro trans your macro transactions. It says macro. That's what they're talking about. Where's the paywall option? Out of juice in my visa. You kind of get the idea here. That's all the way down. You know, usually you get someone that might actually, you know, respond to a poll. But they didn't seem to get any that I can see responding to the poll. And this is just an ongoing series of responses that make it very clear that this particular poll was probably pretty tone deaf, um, so to speak. So there's that. I mean, I don't know what happened there, but it didn't go the way, the way they wanted it to. In the previous show, I think I talked about like a a crust thing it was like a generator and it was a simulator so you could like you know spend a non-existent uh you know 25 dollars or whatever and then the crust would flip by and you'd see how you know it would show a gem after it found one and what power gem it was and it takes a very long time and a large amount of money to get a five star gem from the um Rifts, I guess. So somebody made a gem upgrade simulator so that I don't know if it's the same group or not but they can show you what it would take to upgrade your gems. So you have, you know, a couple of gems here. You've got a little bar that says, you know, one, two, three, four, five, you know, and you could burn $25 and then, you know, and then you could hit it again and burn $25. None of this is real money at all. So you can do it all day if you want to. And then in the middle, it says auto burn $25 and it'll just keep going. And off to the side are stats. So it's how many runs, how much it costs, the gem power, the gem power needed. And the button above that says stop this madness because <laughs> it'll keep rolling so just for the sake of you know kind of explaining a little more about how it works i'm gonna hit auto burn 25 and see what it does okay so i've spent 125 50 we're into 200s now i've got only two star gems there's only four there's two more two star gems popping in here i'm at 600 dollars now <laughs> and uh it's at 800 now just that quick i haven't received any gems that are higher than that oh wait yep they're all two star gems and how many i have of them it's it's tallying up i'm at over a thousand dollars now in non-existent money so there's that the gem power is rising a bit uh, there's how much you need still it keeps going but there's only two three four five types of gems in here that i've got one of them is at a four star now for, I don't know if it upgrades for me or what, but one of them's a four star. It's still not a five star. And I have no idea how long I'd have to sit here to get a five star out of this in this thing. So yeah, I'm at um, $26,000 now and I don't have a five star. <laughs> Can you imagine spending this in real world money? I can't, I would never do this in real world money. But looking at this, we're at 3000 and there are no five star gems to be seen from this whole experiment. So I'm gonna hit stop this madness and move on. But if you wanna see how lucky you get, you can roll this and not actually spend any real world money doing it. And it just gives you an idea of statistically, I guess, how long it would take for you to actually get the five star gems that you need. It, it's telling me I have one gem that's five star, but I don't see it listed here in the, the gem upgrades thing. So I don't know when that hit exactly, but 
that's a lot of money. You know, that's a lot of money. Like if I had that kind of money to burn, I don't think I would put it into a video game, but whatever. But it's kind of an interesting experiment. And uh, speaking of whales and all of that kind of stuff, Maxroll, you know who Maxroll is probably. They do game guides for the Diablo games. They're doing, they're getting ready to do uh, Path of Exile, and I think they started Lost Ark. And they did have, and they still may, may still have, the Diablo Immortal section that had all of the guides and the builds and all of these things. On June 29th, they posted uh, news, essentially, titled Maxroll Discontinues Diablo Immortal Branch. Okay, so I'm going to read you some of that. Um, there's a lot in here. There's a, I'll read you the introduction. The Maxwell team covers games we are passionate about, and we had high hopes for Blizzard's Diablo Immortal release, since it could inter, uh, ingratiate a new audience and generation of gamers to a franchise we love. For two years, our team, along with the community, thoroughly tested the tech alpha, closed alpha, and closed beta, concluding that the core game could be molded into something great. We provided a plethora of feedback during these testing phases to help make Diablo Immortal the best game it could possibly be. However, with heavy hearts today, we're announcing the closure of Max Roll's Diablo Immortal branch. And this is unheard of for them, okay? This is absolutely unheard of. These are guys that know what they're doing. Um, you know their names. You can find, you know, who's on which team, you know, uh, and stuff like that. These are the people that know how to, like, min-max and can crunch the numbers and can, you know, go in and play through games to see is this the best build, is that the best build, or, you know, all this kind of stuff. And they're basically, as a whole, done with this for the most part. And that's that's got to scare the Diablo Immortal team at Blizzard. When you're big guys that know what they're doing and are so passionate about these games and really knowledgeable as well, they stream them, they talk about them, they write about them, they make guides about them, and they're they're done. They're done with Diablo Immortal as a whole, and um, that's that's a big message about how disappointing this game was to the group of people that Blizzard would have wanted to keep the most. You know what I mean? The ones that typically enjoy the Diablo games. So that's that's a thing. There's a timeline and what they were seeing and stuff like that that I'll let you see. But this is their their main ideas here. Okay, they have made a decision. Uh, canceling the game, we've cumulatively put 10,000 plus hours of work and a ton of developer, developer money into is not something we do lightly. In fact, we've never discontinued a game before. Unfortunately, recent events highlighted below drove us to this decision. Here is the events. Economic structure. This is by far the biggest reason we're discontinuing the Diablo Immortal branch. The predatory pay-to-win system greatly exceeds what's considered the norm for mobile gaming. Gambling addictions are real and can completely destroy lives. Even if 99% of the players have perfect impulse control, we still can't stomach what happens to the other 1%. This is completely against our values and we will not remain a part of this any longer. Number two is disengagement and community response. The disappointment we felt at launch aligns with the communities, not just from the pay-to-win perspective, but about the game itself. While we are not game designers, we can't believe this is the state of the game after nearly two years of testing and feedback. Unrewarding gameplay. From Hell 1 difficulty to Hell 2 and beyond, your progression comes to a screeching halt. You can either grind 8 plus hours a day, despite the multitude of hidden caps, for 5, 10, 15 combat rating upgrades, or break down and go to the shop and get a lot more. It's a terrible feeling that extinguishes motivation to log in. Money isn't everything. That's number four. Even with a poor reception, our immortal branch would continue to generate revenue on our end. Life is about more than money, though. It's about doing the right thing. As said throughout this post, we are sticking to our core values. We are walking away from 1.5 years of collective work, time, missed events and family obligations, development time, and expensive costs to do the right thing by us and you. And the fifth and last one in the decision section is lack of remedy. Finally, as a team, we discussed what would it take for us to reopen the Immortal branch. Aside from severely limiting the infinite pay-to-win system and giving free-to-play payers a real chance, we don't see a path forward for us. This is why we chose to shut down the branch prior to the first major update. We don't envision Blizzard implementing a remedy strong enough to truly bridge that gap. There's more on here if you want to read more. But if you don't, there are some videos and stuff, and SVR posted 
the picture of it's a picture and it's got Diablo 2 resurrected and then it's got Diablo Immortal in the middle and then Diablo 3 next to that and the Diablo Immortal one is highlighted with a red or like an orange X through it like they're done so that was you know he linked to what I just read to you so there's you know there's that it's one way to say it with just having people you know do it uh, Greg 2G on Twitter said I'm no longer creating content for Diablo Immortal I have some videos in mind that will be about Diablo Immortal but I'm no longer creating content supporting that game so that's his take on it Raxantarax did a video on YouTube called Closing Diablo Immortal Branch and he went over a lot of these things in ways that obviously are very personal to the Max World people about you know the people that were working on this and stuff like that and he really explains it well I can see that they're all very disappointed by what had happened and that's gotta hurt to have all this work and then kind of have a game that does this. So I highly recommend you watch his video because he's spelling it out very clearly as to what was going on. And then in addition to that, Wujio also did a video called Time to Quit Diablo Immortal, the full story. His character sitting on the screen behind him as he talks to you through the YouTube video. And it's Defenders of West March. And it, I think um, he had a lot to say about dwindling amounts of people and all kinds of things like that. They were, he was going to do like one last thing or something. He had several, um, I want to say guilds with that name, and then people started leaving and, and this kind of thing. So he's he's uh, done. I think he was going to do one thing and, and be officially done with the game forever. And then uh, Lexu did a video called Max Roll Writer Speaks Out About Diablo Immortal Cancellation, and he's you know, in the same boat as the rest, kind of talking about the free-to-play and all of this. He also kind of sort of mentioned that some people have lifted their guides right off the max roll site and put it on their own, which is, of course, plagiarism and not allowed, but some people are completely and entirely unethical. Um, he says he still wants to play the game, but he's not going to, you know, the max roll thing is not going to there's not going to be guides on Maxwell very soon. I believe uh, it might have been Rex Antarax that said, if you want these guides, if they're helpful to you, you know, take them, copy them, whatever. If you can use those, that's fine. But the, the whole branch of it is not going to be up for very much longer. So if you need that guide for whatever class you're doing, then, you know, go maybe take some screenshots now kind of thing. And I'm sure there might be more. This is who I could find in the last couple of days since that came out. But it's still just really, really a lot. And... I've got a blog post from Belgast on Tales of the Agronaut. That's his blog. And he wrote about Diablo Immortal. He called this particular blog Fruitless Grinding, which I think a lot of people are feeling. I'm only at level 32 right now, and I tend to play video games very slowly, so I'm not quite where anyone else is. That's fine for me, but, you know, I'm looking at what's coming and going, hmm, how bad is this going to get, you know? So he's talking about, he's got a screenshot of his character he's playing a crusader and it's level 60 and he is still a free player and have managed to get up to paragon level 40 and is still getting bonus xp as the server paragon on his server whichever one it is is at 50 um, so he's kind of still getting that. He says, however, I've hit a bit of a wall and I'm not getting anywhere, anywhere near the number of materials that I need to keep upgrading my gear. Additionally, I've noticed that once I hit Paragon 30, I've stopped getting near the number of legendary drops that I once did as well. I'm not sure if this is a dry spell or something inherently built into the game, but I am struggling a bit to get the gear and more importantly, combat level needed to progress in the game. And now he's over 30 in the game, so he should be accessing Hell 2 difficulty for for greater rewards, but he's got this screenshot that tells him monster difficulty very high, and there's an exclamation point hiding behind that, and it says that the corpse worm is 1,220, and that his character is 1,148, and um, it says you're going to take 61% more damage and deal 38% less damage, and it's, asked, it's telling you how to get stronger. You can upgrade equipment, which he just said he's having trouble doing. You can upgrade the heliquary, which um, that's you know probably more grinding and stuff like that, and I've done a little bit in that. Um, that's one thing I want to finish in the game. I want to do the Heliquary, but we'll see how that goes. He's got a lot to say in here, and he's kind of calculated some of how much resources he needs in order to upgrade a rank seven like chest build kind of thing um or armor build i guess and it's just really a lot 
it's a lot of stuff in here and you know i'll let you read it but he's got a couple of set pieces and everything like that and it's still not really working for him because of this um and in the, his last paragraph, he says, At some point in the near future, I expect there will be concessions and probably an apology letter, and the game will change drastically while also introducing a brand new top-end money grind. I genuinely do like this game. I just think that maybe it's best to wait for Diablo 4 and forget this one exists for a while. In the meantime, I have Diablo 3, and I'm finally... I'm starting to finally grok Path of Exile. Diablo Immortal could have been a great game and might be at, still be at some point in the future, but now he's done because of the monetization path, and it's ruined that experience for him and for many others. I know Belgast fairly well. We've done some blogist stuff in the past, if you know what that is. It's a blog writing thing for about a month, and his guides about this are more eloquent than anything I would probably attempt to do. So, you know, if, if he's kind of down on this game, I'm going to believe it, you know, that this is what most people are feeling. There's a video that I think was, it was posted today, July 1st, and it's from the Blizzard ANZ. So that's um, Australia and probably New Zealand, ANZ. And it's a painting of, a series of paintings, large, like billboard size paintings. And some cases have uh, things popping out of them. There's a material that's like popping out of the art and it's got pictures and art of like all the character classes in Diablo Immortal and I know we're kind of like bummed on Diablo Immortal right now but this piece of art is amazing it's um there's a you can click a link to see where it's actually located and it's done by a group called Apparition Media so uh I'll put that in the show notes it's just a, it's a video it's about a minute long and it's just amazing the art they could do in however much time it took them but it's you just got to see it and lastly, swinging back to World of Warcraft a little bit, there is a tweet by a person named Ray Walkinshaw, who is a Hearthstone podcaster, and he's in New Zealand. He's helping raise a, oh, he's a New Zealander helping raise a family in Australia. Um, and he's, he and his daughter are holding two extraordinarily large murloc slippers. So you've got the little baby murloc, like, face in the front of it with the little tooth sticking out. And it looks like it's, it's huge. Like, it would go around your feet in a way you couldn't, like, walk easily. Like, almost clown shoe, but, you know, made of little, like, stuffed animal kind of stuff. And if you press the head of the murloc, it does the noise. So they're sitting there making the noise, which in implies that if you wore these on your feet and walked around your house, they'd make the noise as your foot came down. And it's just hysterical. And I think after everything I've read, we just need a little bit of light and amusing things in, in this. So that is where I'm going to end the show for today. And I'll close the show now. You have been listening to episode 366 of The Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game, our in-game community in Diablo 3 for sure, and Clan, they're both named Shattered Soulstone. They're open to anyone who, who would like to join. I am on the Soulstone server in Diablo Immortal, but apparently that's not going to matter much anymore. Uh, you can also join us on the Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page, as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening. Thank you.